listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast, presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future, and you can find my work at AstrosFuture.com and find me on Twitter at AstrosFuture. And I'm your co-host, Brian Hamilton, and you can find me on Twitter at BHAM1720. And be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at ApolloHOU, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk some Astros as they enter the All-Star break, preview the second half of the season, and take a look around the minor league system. So we'll get started in the minors like we always do, AAA, Skeeters, uh, playing some pretty good baseball right now. They're sitting at 32 and, and 23. The story right now really has just been the outfielders. We, we've talked about it over and over, it seems like, every week. The Astros have a nice outfield at the major league level, but the AAA outfield is just, is just crushing. And one of those guys is Jake Myers. Hit another home run last night, his 15th homer, which actually ties for the the lead in the Astros minor league organization, hitting 341. We talked about him at length about the defense he provides, but man, to see a guy like that that's really coming into his own offensively, I mean, hitting 341, 15 homers, and we're coming into the All Star break, just a phenomenal season for him so far. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a guy that's come out of nowhere. Um, every time I think of one of these types of prospects that we may not have really known much about them at the beginning, at the beginning of the season, I think back to what Jim Callis told us, how you know we may not have all of those top-end prospects, but we have a lot of solid prospects. Mm-hmm. And it, it just shows that whenever you look at our, our major league roster and a lot of these guys that have come up, you know, your Frambers and our kiddies, they were at one point no names. Right. And uh, they made a name for themselves. And that's what Jake Myers is doing right now, man. He will be a future big leaguer. Yeah, and I hope his opportunity comes with the Astros, as I do for most of the prospects. I don't really see where he fits in right now, obviously, with, with Straw playing a lot better and Kyle Tucker and even Michael Brantley under contract for another, um, I think, another year, right? I think it was a two-year deal. Okay, so we got at least another year of him. Um, but maybe he can carve out a role as, as that fourth, fifth outfielder. I mean, Chaz McCormick has, has kind of been doing a pretty good job up there with the home runs and everything. So we'll, we'll see what, what you know the future has to hold for him. But He's not the only outfielder in AAA that's killing it right now. Jose Siri, who you know got off to a phenomenal start, it was hit, he's now hitting 320, 10 homers, 43 RBIs. So he's cooled off a little bit, but another good performance in the minor league system and out of the, the Skeeters outfield. And then one other guy, Brian De La Cruz, he's hitting 336. He's got 13 doubles, 10 homers. So like all three outfielders in the, in uh, <laughs> Sugarland right now are just killing it, you know and and. If I saw some stuff they were talking about the way that the fields play and the Sugarland field, Constellation Field plays very down offensively. A lot of the other places they go, El Paso, Albuquerque, Round Rock, those those fields play up a little bit, but the, the Sugarland plays down. So you're a lot of people would think, oh, if you're in a hitters league, right? Or the PCL used to be such a hitters league. Well, oh, yeah. they're hitting at home, half their games at home, you know, and it's a tough field to hit. So they're putting up good offensive numbers, but it's not like they're only doing it on the road. Overall, their numbers are good. They're playing. Some of them are hitting better on the road. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're hitting 336 or 341 like Myers, you're doing something right. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, 
Jake Myers, like we said, and, you know, we, I, we both feel like he's going to be a future big leaguer. If not here, he'll be somewhere. Jose Siri, you know, it's like, like I've said consistently from the day that he kind of burst onto the scene with his numbers, mm-hmm. he's just a guy that I think if you look at our big league club, there's just not a spot for him. Right. Um, he, he's, he's kind of a poor man's Miles straw, really. Like I know that he has more home runs than Miles straw, but just as a major leaguer, he just does not profile to have nearly the type of game that Miles does. So I kind of hope that with Jose Siri, we're able to use him as to kind of like flip him in, in some sort of a deal. Yeah. You know, I don't even know how valuable he'll be because as we've said a thousand times, he was available for everyone this offseason and no one signed him other than us. Yeah, and, and you're right. I, I don't, it would be nice to flip him. I don't know if we could, you know, get a team that the Orioles, right? They're a terrible team like the Astros were right. maybe back in the, the 2011, 2012 or whatever. Jose Siri seems like a guy that'd be worth taking a chance on. He's a, a 25-year-old outfielder who's finally having a good season at AAA. So I don't know what it would take for them to, to get him or whatever. But, hey, he seems like well, the guy good, that, that – I'm sorry, I was just going to say, you make a good point about mentioning the Orioles because think about back whenever we were terrible, like you were just saying. We traded Wandy to the Pirates, and at the time, the Pirates were actually pretty good. Remember, I think they won the division once or mm-hmm. twice 10-plus uh, uh, years ago. But not just them, but look at the Pirates nowadays. They've got nobody, man. Right. They've got a decent uh, farm system, but their their prior front office just completely torpedoed that team. Mm-hmm. They treated Garrett Cole to us for, for really what amounted to nothing. I mean, they got Joe Musgrove, but then they flipped him. Right. Um, and then they, they traded uh, – oh, gosh. That oh, they traded for Chris Archer. Yeah. Yes, to Tampa. Yeah. And they traded up all of those guys that right now – would probably be their representatives in the all-star game. For sure. uh, Tyler Glass now. Um, oh God, the outfielder. I can't uh, think of his Austin name. Meadows. Austin Meadows. Yeah. I mean, like these were guys that were highly sought up uh, yeah. or highly sought after prospects, highly thought of prospects. So, I mean, like you get like a team that may be looking to start over or, or whatever. You just, you take a flyer on some of these guys as a lottery ticket. I mean, we did it. Look at like LJ Hose when we got LJ Hose back in the day. And, and yeah. some of these guys that, may not have been like top prospects, but they were still putting up good numbers, but they had no place to play in the big league level. Yeah. And it, it's, you, you take a chance on them and then hell for the Orioles, if they take a chance on a guy like Siri or whatever, and he has a good half a season next year, they decide to flip him at the deadline to a contender. Like there's, there's obviously a lot of options there, you know, so right. we'll, we'll see what, what ends up his future holds. I, I hope Myers does get a chance at the Astros at some point, but we'll see from that. On the pitching right. side, though, J.P. France, I talked about him last week, but, man, the guy has been – he's been phenomenal so far this year. 14th-round pick out of Mississippi State a few years ago. Numbers are okay in 19, but this year so far, he's got 82 strikeouts in 52 innings. He yesterday, struck out 10 in five innings. In AAA, he's down to a 1.96 ERA. I mean, really good season for him. And I actually talked to him on Friday. Uh, I have an interview that will be posting tomorrow. But he doesn't have overpowering stuff. He said he's like 89 to 91. Maybe we'll touch a 93, 94, but he's got a, a good changeup slider cutter. And he, you know, he mentioned the pitch tunneling and the way that the slider and the cutter really plays off of uh, off of his fastball. So you'll see me, you know, he's at triple A and the numbers are showing and we'll, we'll see what the future holds for him as well. Like I said, he just got drafted a couple of years ago. So there's no rush necessarily. He played, uh, he played five or oh, he was in college for five years. He had Tommy John one year. So he actually was, he was actually drafted at 23. So he's 26 now, but we've talked about it. If you got stuff that can get guys out, we've seen it. It doesn't matter if you throw 99 or if you just throw 91, if you can be a solid, maybe bullpen contributor who can get strikeouts, then, you know, you'll find a way on a major league team. Absolutely, man. I mean, his stuff sounds deceptive based on what you were just saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, just cause you don't have overpowering stuff doesn't mean you can't, you know, become right. like, you know, you know, an, an, a, a major league player, which I know we all know that, but uh, it's good to see these guys that are, 
not only having good games here and there, but just having a good consistent season, man. Yeah. And like he's one of them, as I told you before we even started this. I didn't even know who he was until you started talking about him. So uh, definitely looking forward to reading that article that you uh, put up tomorrow. Yeah, and one other thing I'll, I'll mention that I, I talked to him about. So I, I like to ask the prospects, like, hey, is, if there's one pitch from any other pitcher in the Astros organization that you could take, what would it be? And, you know, he kind of kind of paused a little bit, and I said, was, was it maybe something like a Hunter Brown fastball where the, you know, you're throwing 98, 99? And he said, no, I'm, I'm good with where my velocity is at. Like, you know, I'm, I'm happy throwing that 91, 93 and the way it plays off of his other pitches. And he did say that, like, a McCuller slider would be awesome, but he said that's where he referenced the pitch tunneling is it wouldn't really – work with the way his fastball and cutter is so just interesting to see his mind work and think that yeah McCullers slider would be awesome but I don't think it would necessarily work with the way I'm trying to tunnel my pitches so anyways we'll jump down to double a it's been a rough week for the hooks <laughs> so offense kind of kind of went slow there's been some rainouts. Corey Lee I had a couple singles here and there but the, the, the main thing that I still take away is so far in 22 games he only struck out nine times so we've seen the increase in power in double a but the, the fact that he's been able to limit the strikeouts like that has just been huge. And we, we talked about him over and over and want to see a good season for him. And so far he's been doing that. So great to see that from, you know, what is probably our number one, well, maybe besides Jeremy Pino, maybe our, our top position player prospect. Yeah. I would, I was just about to say that I I'm very curious to see where he's ranked as far as not just uh, overall prospects in all of minor league baseball, but from an Astros prospect perspective, yeah. and I would put him at number one right now, just based on the season, the position that he plays, he plays that very well. He has a good arm. He's good defensively. And he's, he's basically got like a Mike Piazza type of bat right now. And I'm not mm-hmm. comparing him to Mike Piazza by any means, but yeah. you know, just that, that, that's very, very um, rare nowadays for a catcher to have it all. Right. So I'm curious to see exactly what happens with him. And that's one that, you know, if, if we end up, uh, you know, talking with Jim Callis again, that's one guy I definitely want to talk to him about. Yeah, and we've talked about possible trades for either relievers or whatever. And I think the Astros all, will always have a list of, you know, untouchables. But to me, Corey Lee, especially with the uncertainty at catcher really moving forward after next year, Corey Lee to me is a guy that has to be on the untouchable list. Right. I agree with you. And, you know, I know that, if, what was it, like a month or so ago, we, we gave Maldonado a, a two-year extension, which is good. I mean, he's very good defensively. But, gosh, man, his bat right now is so yep. bad yep. that he, we're going to have to have somebody that, that can split time with them uh, that can at least hit, you know what I mean? Um, yep. And Corey Lee, it's just, it's only a matter of time, dude. I mean, this guy's going to end up, at, he's going to start the year at AAA next year, but gosh, I mean, at what point do you just call him up? So Pedro Leon, another guy we've been keeping an eye on down in Corpus Christi, he had another homer this week, but he's, um, I forgot the way they, they that what they called it. He's on an inactive list or whatever, but it's because he's representing the Astros in the Futures game. He's a lone representative. So Hunter Brown, a guy I just mentioned, talking about the velocity, started out the season, he was struggling a little bit, struggling with his command. ERA was a little high, but he's really, really turned it on over the last six games. He's got a 3.06 ERA over the last six, but he struck out 46 in 26 innings. And a lot of his stat lines will be deceptive. The other day, I think he started out and uh, I mean, four innings, struck out like eight or nine, and then he went into the fifth inning, gave up two solo homers, ended up striking out like 10 or something like that. But, you know, he – Five innings, two runs, but both runs were on back-to-back solo home runs in his last inning of work. So he's had stretches where three, four-inning stretches where he looks just absolutely dominant. And now it's just putting that together for five, six innings rather than three or four innings. But really good season so far for him. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, uh, like you were saying, he yeah, had kind of a rough start, but he's, he's been pitching well a lot lately. It, it's very good to see some pitching performances like that, uh, considering that you know pitching is just the way of the game, man. I mean, I know that nowadays – 
a lot of players and I'm sorry, a lot of teams tend to draft bats uh, mm-hmm. pretty early, uh, just like we had for, for a while. But, you know, whenever you can get a pitching prospect that can come out of nowhere um, and just kind of like announce his presence, uh, it, it, it's very, very enlightening to see. We really like that and really happy about Brown right, uh, right now. Yeah. And when we look at the Astros prospects and you try to project, you know, who has top of rotation stuff, I think Hunter Brown is that guy. He's right. the, He's the one guy in the Astro system that probably does have that top rotation stuff, you know, throwing that 98, 99, the, the high velocity stuff. So good to see him starting to put it together. Still so, probably a few years away, wouldn't you say? Like, I mean, I'm sure yeah. he's going to end the year in double A this year and probably start there again next year. I don't know that he'd make that jump to triple A over the uh, over so one year. It just, it just depends. So we're in, we're in July, August, September. We'll see him mean, about halfway done in the season. So, I mean, if he finishes the season really strong, the Astros could challenge him, put him into triple A earlier. If not, maybe start him in triple A next year. This is his age 22 season, so he'll be you know age 23 season next year. So I mean, I could see him. I could see him. Uh, you know, potentially if everything goes great and he pitches really well the rest of the year, starts next year. You know, well, I could see him possibly making his debut in uh, 2022. But you, you said it's it's a consistency thing right now, and he's got a, some ways to go in terms of maximizing his stuff over a five or six inning outing rather than over a, a three or four inning outing. But the, right. the 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 stock is definitely pointing up. The arrow is pointing up for him for sure. Yeah, he would be one that we should also take a look at to see like just how close he is yeah. um, as far as like that top 100 prospects or just right. where he is in the Astros prospects too. Because I mean, at this point, I'd probably put him – I mean, I'd absolutely put him below uh, Corey Lee and Pedro Leon. I'm not sure about Jeremy Pena. I mean, he had a, a complete lost season. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, Pena is going to be a tough one to rank because he had a, a great 19, then didn't have a 2020, and then gets hurt this year. And he was a guy coming into the season I had as the Astros' number one prospect, and then he loses the season. So – it's going to be tough to when you have the guys like Corey Lee really starting to produce, you know, do you, have they done enough to jump a guy who hasn't got the opportunity to show himself? You know, it's like, you don't want to knock a guy for having a, an injury right. like he had. So we'll, we'll go down to high. The tourists are 25 and 33. The bats have been scuffling recently. They, they've, they've suffered a lot of promotions. We've talked about them, but Corey Lee, Alex McKenna, Joe Perez, all those guys got promoted from high A and it's kind of hurt their bats a little bit, but they still have Emmanuel Valdez. Who's got 15 homers, 54 RBIs, which actually, is tied for the uh, for the Astros minor league system and, and homers leads in RBIs and he's a, a small compact left-handed hitter he's like five nine weighs like 190 but he's got like a, a huge uppercut in his swing and he's finding a way to hit home runs so he, he the average isn't really there right now hopefully that'll start to come around but he's hitting homers and, and he's driving in runs so he's he's uh, he's being productive. Yeah, it's like you said, they've been suffering a lot of uh, promotions right now with everyone kids kind of like moving through there pretty yeah. easily. But, you know, it looks like he'll probably end up staying there for the rest of the year. He could be the one that's kind of lead that team, be mm-hmm. that middle of the bat uh, or middle of the order type of bat for them. Like you said, I mean, he's finding a way to hit those home runs, 15 bombs already. And for that frame, that's pretty good. Yeah. So we'll, we'll jump down to Fayetteville right now. They're 22-31. Same thing. They, they've suffered a lot of promotions so far this year. But one guy who's been consistent for them, we talked about him last week, J.C. Correa, Carlos Correa's younger brother. He's hitting 297. He's got four homers now, 16 doubles. He's drawn 22 walks and just seems like a – you know, a, a very solid prospect. I mean, not he's not going to be on anyone's you know radar, and he's not going to be a top hundred type prospect, nothing like that. But the guy, he hits for average. He draws walks. He, uh, you know, he hits some doubles. So I, hopefully, he'll get an opportunity to go to Asheville, which is actually you know a really good hitters park, and we can get to we can see what he can do there. But a good season so far for him. And one other guy I will mention, uh, Julio Robena. He's a twenty one or twenty year old pitcher, and some good stuff, and he he started to put it together a little bit. Twenty eight strikeouts in twenty three innings, so not a lot going down on the the lower levels, you know. But 
with the draft coming up, which we'll talk about later, the Astros are about to get an influx of prospects. And without right. having the Tri-City, uh, the short season, a lot of them are probably going to go, you know, the, the top ones will go straight to Fayetteville. Right. And see, that's one thing that I was just kind of noticing as I, as I just kind of like look at our minor league system. And, you know, we have our, our AAA team. They've got a winning record. They're going to make the playoffs. But then every other uh, minor league affiliate that we have has a losing record right now. And I think that that's where, that's where you really kind of see the depth in our minor league system isn't what it used to be but at the Mm -hmm. same time back then we were having the number one pick three years in a row we had very high picks and along with having the number one pick you also get just like in football you get the number one pick in every other round after that so you're going to get an influx of talent in there but like you said we've got the the draft starting today with the first round which obviously the Astros don't have a pick Mm -hmm. but the coming rounds are coming in or the coming rounds are uh, upcoming as well in the next few days and you're, we're going to see a lot of them just get shot straight to low A because yep. of what you said. We just don't have a ton of talent right now. All right, it's going to do it for segment one. In the next segment, Brian and I are going to talk about some of the big league club and share our thoughts on the All-Star game, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast, presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, <clears> do <throat> us a favor and drop us a review or leave us some stars. We'll get to the Astros now. They're sitting at 54 and 36 overall, solid record. The expected win-loss based on the runs they've scored and the runs they've allowed is 59 and 31. The week started pretty good. They won the first two games against Oakland, won the series against Oakland, a, a series that we definitely wanted to win. You know, it's kind of put some distance between us and, and the athletics. But that last game in, uh, against Oakland, we scored one run. We're in the Yankee series now, and the bats have gone completely quiet. Yeah, um, one run in our last 27 innings going back to game or game three of the Oakland series. I mean, these kinds of things come and go. It is what it is. We have the number one offense in baseball still. Everyone's going to go quiet at some point. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know, man, for whatever reason, it seems like this year, it, our whole offense goes quiet at the same time. It's not like just Altuve or just Brantley. Everyone just goes quiet. Yesterday, uh, which, by the way, I don't know if you congratulated them or not, but the Yankees won the World Series last night. I don't know if you – yeah, because yep. that's exactly how they acted and their fans did as well. But, right. you know, going into the ninth inning at the top of the order up, Garrett Cole still in there at 100-plus pitches. We had Altuve Brantley up, and I'm sitting here thinking, we're going to win this game somehow. Mm-hmm. And then Altuve gets on, I'm thinking, okay, Uncle Mike is going to, you know, hit a two-run du- – or I'm sorry, two-run homer or get a double or something like that. And then just nothing. You right. know, I mean, Yuli got hosed, but – it just seems to me, Jimmy, like this year, it, it, whenever one guy goes cold with the bat, the entire team goes cold. It's, it's pretty odd. Yeah, and, and I, obviously Garrett Cole's a really good pitcher, and he was really right. good last night. He probably – he had some extra motivation to, to pitch really well against the Astros anyways. Right. But we, we talked about it yesterday. We were texting about it. It's a 162-game season. So, like, you know, the Astros are going to go through through times where the bats do go quiet. And I don't think people should overreact to a, a bad three or four games. I mean, I think we probably saw in 2017 there was times where the, the team play, uh, didn't play well, and I'm sure the same thing in 2019. And, you know, the bats are going to go quiet. I'm not going to look at it and be alarmed by the fact that they got shut down for a few games. But it is it, it is unfortunate, obviously, if that if that kind of comes to the playoffs, then you're screwed. But, you know, we also don't well, have Bregman. Correa's out, so – well, yeah, it's just been it's, it's been tough. Yeah, and see, one thing you just said, you said, you know, Korea, or not Korea, I'm sorry, Cole had a little extra motivation. I don't understand that. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I get it. People were booing him yesterday. I didn't go to the game. I wouldn't boo him. I mean, I, I never mm-hmm. had any illusions that he was going to stay here. Yeah. Um, I know that the whole situation after Game 7 of the World Series pissed off a lot of people. I don't think that was a good look at all for him. Right. But, you know, it is what it is. He apparently had that dream of playing for the Yankees ever since he was a little kid, which I know we've talked to that to death. 
But, you know, like, why does he have extra motivation? He was never going to sign here. The right. Astros by, I mean, like, did, did Luno piss him off by not giving him an actual, like, contract offer that was legitimate? I mean, I just don't understand that. And, and he goes 130 pitches. The only reason he did it is because it's Houston. Yeah. Um, and because the, the, the Yankees, legit, dude, their World Series is this series. They're not going to make the playoffs. That's why Aaron Judge did his little goofy thing yesterday as he's rounding third base, which yeah. one thing no one's talking about. Why didn't he do that whenever he's rounding second base with Altuve right there? Yeah. He had to be a little bitch about it and wait till he was away from Altuve to do it. Yeah. But you see what I'm saying? Just like it, I, I don't understand what extra motivation Cole has. So my only thing, I, I guess, you know, you're facing your former team and, and the way everything went down. And I don't think like there's any bad blood between him and the players, but facing the former team and then the way that game seven uh, of the, the World Series, you know, went down in 2019 and not getting the opportunity to pitch in that game and all that. But I think, Anytime yeah. you probably go back and you face your former team the first time <laughs> in the stadium with fans and all that, you know, right. I think there's that extra motivation. And and then all the the, the, the you know, spider attack stuff that has came out and Cole's reputation on that has kind of taken a hit a little bit. And I, I think there's just a lot there that he probably wanted to go out and prove that, you know, hey, I'm still one of the best pitchers in the league and I want to shut down one of the best offenses and, and do it by himself. And unfortunately, he did do that. But uh yeah, the Astros need to find a way to, to salvage this series, get a win today, not get swept going into – man, if they get shut out again today, you know, for and, and they score no runs on the weekend series going to the All-Star break, that's going to suck. At the end of the day, All-Star break's coming. Take some time off. Hopefully the guys can get healthy. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. But, yeah, they, they got to find a way to get the offense going. And Yeah, I mean, you're probably right about Cole. I mean, that, that could be it. I just meant it from a standpoint of, like, I, I never thought that he would be pissed at the Astros. Right, right, yeah. Like that, you know, yeah. it's just – it is what it is. He got traded to Houston. It's not like right. he chose to be here or whatever. But right. you know, anyway, it's just it is what it is. I don't. I don't. I'm one of the few fans. I don't really have any ill will towards Garrett sure. Cole. I don't. I don't. I'm not going to root for him because I hate the Yankees. But I yep. mean, it's just it is what it is. And yep. it's like it's like you and I were texting last night. It sucks that his best game since the spider tag thing just yep. happens to be with us. <laughs> exactly. But it is what it is. So we talked about an all-star break coming up, and the Astros had four representatives: Ryan Presley, Michael Brantley, Carlos Correa, and Jose Altuve, and one by one, they kind of started pulling out Jose Altuve or Carlos Correa's first said, you know, he's staying home because his wife's pregnant, spent some time with her. Altuve said he's got some, uh, you know, some the, some of the knee stuff or some of the leg stuff he's working on. Ryan Presley, same thing as Correa, his wife's pregnant. And then Brantley, I think same thing. He had uh, some discomfort uh, not too long ago, and I think he just wants to use the time to, to get healthy. So, you know, they pulled out of the game, obviously, for either personal reasons or to, to keep themselves healthy. And – we see the, the 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 blowback on that. You know, you got the Buster Olney saying that the you know, or other people saying that the Astros are scared to, to go face their peers and all that. But then after that, we see a lot of other you know, Jacob Degrom's not going to the All Star game. I, someone else just pulled out recently, another big name. I forgot who it was, but there's been quite a few. So I there was somebody else too as a. Uh, I don't know. Was it Mookie Betts? I don't know. I have to go. Mookie Betts. But, you're right. Was it no, Betts? it was Mookie Betts. You're right. And then, and then, so there's a, there's a lot of people that are just, that are pulling out the Austria. I think what it is, is this, the, the you got to really think about it, right? This is a, they had a 60 game season last year in the playoffs. And this is the first time since 2019 that they played this many games in a row. And at one time and full season. And I think a lot of the guys just, they want the time to, to get healthy, to spend time with their family and stuff. And, and, and I can't, I can't hate on them for that, but I also think, there is some possibility that some of this maybe has to do with the the potential CBA that's coming up, and and it's probably going to get a little messy when it comes to. It, it's one thing when like one or two people say they're they're not going because they're injured, but now you're getting like a nice laundry list of guys that aren't going. And once again, I have no problem with it. If obviously as an Astros fan, if if Altuve 
and Brantley want to take this time because they think it's going to help them get healthier, then by all means, do exactly what they need to do. Screw the All-Star game. At this point, and I think a lot of us probably feel the same way. I mean, do you watch the All-Star game? Like, I'll, I'll turn it on. Like, like let's say, I think in 2019, you know, the Astros had a good representation. I tried to watch when some of the Astros players were in, but other than that, I just didn't have a huge interest right. to watch the All-Star game. No, I'm the same way. I, I used to watch the Home Run Derby whenever I was a kid, whenever King Griffey Jr. would, mm-hmm. would go nuts in the All- in the uh, Home Run Derby. I don't even watch that anymore. I don't watch any All-Star game. Yeah. I don't watch the NBA one. I don't watch the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is a laughing stock. Right. But, I mean, I don't understand the problem here. That he, Here's the issue. If Jacob deGrom and Mookie Betts had pulled out before Correa and Altuve, we hear nothing about it then. I guarantee you. But because Correa and Altuve were the first two to pull out, the national media, the Carl Ravitches and, and Buster Onlys of the world are out there throwing a fit yeah. because they will be attending the All-Star game and they probably had um, an idea to write some article or whatever oh, sure. about them. And yep. now they won't get to because they won't be able to uh, to talk to them. And it's just it's just it's pretty frustrating because, it you know, it, they're going to continue acting like this. But the, the one thing I keep saying is we've got to win the World Series this year. Yeah. You win the World Series this year. You shut up, everybody. I mean, they yeah. can continue to say, well, they're probably still doing it. Fine, whatever. But yeah. we win the World Series this year. Everyone shuts up. You know, I think even like Bregman's a little fed up with it. He said some stuff on Twitter yesterday talking about it's it's easy to get clicks and speculate and all that stuff. And I think that's what, unfortunately, a lot of the the big uh, you know writers are doing. It's easy. Like right now, the it, for the last two years, if you write something about the Astros cheating – and reference to other teams like it gets a lot of play on on social media gets a lot of clicks and i think unfortunately they're feeding into that but uh, real quick on the home run derby i will say with shohei otani being in the home run derby this year and what he's doing i probably will tune in a little bit because i want to i want to see what he's going to do and then you know you got a guy like joey gallo which i know he's on the rangers but you know big power so i might actually watch the home run derby this year the all-star game especially with no representation from the Astros. I'll probably just be watching some minor league baseball. I'm not even going to pay attention. Well, but one thing I will say is I do kind of like how they have the the home run derby as like a tournament type thing with brackets and everything. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. I don't know how they come up with who the one versus eight seed is, but you know, like, like I, I can't remember who it is, but there's a one versus eight seed, or maybe it's a two versus seven this year. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't remember which one it was, but I remember looking at it thinking that underdog may actually win that. Yeah. So that's, you know, but I like that, but, no, I, I doubt I'll watch it, man. I'll just, you know, I'm just not that interested. I used to watch the All-Star game when the Astros weren't good because we had to have some sort of representation. That's that rule in baseball that every mm-hmm. team gets represented. Um, and I would just watch it to see if our guy did pretty good in it. You know what I mean? Right. But, yeah. Yep. So on the on the topic of the All-Stars and, and with getting four Astros that have pulled out, three of them being position players, I thought the Astros might get some fill-ins for some guys who were kind of snubbed by the initial voting. Yuli Gurriel, Jordan Alvarez both put up really good seasons to this point. And I mean, hell, Yuli might be in the conversation for MVP when it's all said and done. If he keeps, I know he struggled a little bit recently, but really good season from him. Alvarez showing the pop and everything. And it looks like the Astros kind of got some snubs. We talked about it, I think maybe four weeks ago about Luis Garcia looking like a guy who probably should be an all-star. And, you know, the Astros got one per the Astros lead the league in uh, starting pitching ERA, right? Then they got right. one pitching representative in the all-star game. And it was Ryan Presley, no starter. So no Garcia, you know, no, uh, no McCullers or anything like that. Guys that have put up good seasons. So I don't know. I, I, I know that the, there was some fan voting and then there was some, some player voting and all that. But ultimately, the Astros did get some stuff. But we talked about it even last week. I'm not a guy who's too concerned about that. I just want it for the player, the, the own player's resume. Hopefully, they'll just get the time off, get healthy, and then come back strong after the All Star break. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a, 
an interesting second half of the season. Uh, definitely looking forward to seeing how our guys are. I like the fact that none of our guys are going to be playing in the All-Star game, um, yeah. especially for me, man, especially when it comes to pitchers. Whenever it comes to pitchers, you know, those those innings that they have, those are those are valuable, man. I don't mm-hmm. want it to be wasted in a middle-of-the-year uh, exhibition game, basically. Yeah, so sure. I like that Ryan Presley pulled out. and very much looking forward to the second half. All right, don't go anywhere because in our next segment, we are going to preview the second half of the season, and we'll get to that after this break. And welcome back in here at the Astros Future Podcast, presented by Apollo Media. This segment, we're going to go ahead and preview the second half of the season and also take a look at the MLB draft. So I <laughs> did some research. Right now, the Astros have faced the fourth highest winning percentage so far this season. Obviously, they got a really good, a really good record. But moving on to the second half of the season, this this site I found, Power Rankings Guru, the, they rank you know the, the the opponents and all that. And the Astros are going to have the fourth easiest schedule remaining. So we we've seen what they've done against good teams, and they've kind of struggled yeah. against bad teams. But if they play like they should against the the easy teams, there's a chance that the Astros could really take off in the second half. Yeah, I mean, like I was just thinking here, I mean, we, we get swept by Baltimore, then we go sweep Cleveland. That's been the story this year is we play really well against the good teams and and almost piss poor against the terrible teams. So yeah, and that's why teams. that's why we're, you know, we, we had lost the last two against the Yankees. We just play bad against, just... you know, we play bad against really bad teams. Yeah, Dude, I swear to God, I was just about to go, y'all hear that Yankee fans? That's why y'all are beating us, because we don't play well against bad teams. That's right. But but yeah, man, that, that's exactly right. So um it's definitely a good sign because obviously once we make the playoffs and we get in there, we're going to be playing good teams. Um, whereas the Yankees, they'll just be playing MLB the show at the house. So <laughs> it is what it is. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that, you know, getting that easier schedule will start to, will start to ease things up for the Astros. Maybe they can get into a nice role, you know, or rhythm where they're they're you know, We talked about it early in the season. They did it. They were, they ran off 12 wins in a row and, and kind of you know, start to get back into a groove, but this all-star break, I think, is going to be important. Get some time off, regroup, and then and then come out, face an easy schedule, and hopefully get rolling. Yeah, and, and you know, just um, uh, earlier, they were uh, – I think it was um, Jake Kaplan had tweeted out that Dusty Baker said, Alebis Diaz is going to be going on a rehab assignment during all-star week. He's going to be in the Gulf Coast League, and they expect him to rejoin the Astros at the end of the month. So his uh, addition will big. be a very welcome addition. Yeah, because, I mean, we, we, we've – I know me and you have talked about it a lot, like, He's going to take the at-bats that Robel Garcia is getting right now. Yes. And um, I'm pretty sure you just put somebody, like, in the batter's box and just tries to take a walk every time. Like, if I just went up there and never swung, I might have a better OPS than Robel Garcia because I might draw some walks. But getting Diaz back and, and giving him an opportunity to, to, to take those, those at-bats from really, I guess, Bregman at third or whenever the guys need some time off. And then the outfield, man, it, the guy's a, a solid player. I mean, really, yeah. really good utility player. And, and getting him back, I think, is going to be really important. He's been just as good as Marwin. And, you know, we got him right after Marwin left. He has been every bit, excuse me, every bit as good as Marwin was in our super utility role. Oledmus can play pretty much every position except for catcher. So, I mean, like, obviously you're not going to see him in center field, but, you know, if need be, we just throw him out there. You know what I mean? And it's just, he's a very valuable uh, member of the Strohs and, and, and definitely looking forward to him coming back. Yep, definitely. I definitely can't wait to get him back. And, and it seemed like he always had hits in big times. You know, like if he came up in the seventh inning with a man on and you're down one, like he was the guy that was coming through with the big hits. So, um, yeah, he's going to be a, a big part of the team moving forward. But I, I will say in the break, Brian and I were talking, and I know there was something interesting that you read, Brian. So if you can go ahead and go into that. Yeah, um, here's a quote. It's uh, Ken Rosenthal had an article earlier today, and here is a quote from the article. This is Jose Altuve talking. He said, I don't know if I should say this or not, but this might be the last year with Carlos, referencing Carlos Correa. We might have a really different team next year. We're really trying to win this year. 
you never know where we're going to be next year without probably our best player. So again, one thing that you and I've talked about a lot, Jimmy, on the podcast is Carlos Correa, where he will be next year. The beginning of the year, he had that unofficial deadline in the offseason mm-hmm. for his contract uh, that got passed. And, you know, it is what it is. We've had Jake Kaplan on. Jake Kaplan thinks he's, he's gone. Um, it, it just, it is what it is. But I'll tell you what, when I read that, I didn't exactly think that that was bad because now you've got basically your captain who is Altuve. He's the team captain or team leader, whatever you want to call it essentially saying we don't want to lose Carlos Correa. We want to keep him here, but we're trying to win this year. That way, if, if he leaves, we can go out with another title. So, I mean, that's interesting. Now, what do you think about this? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of unfortunate to look at it because it almost makes it, it kind of sounds like Altuve's already put in his head that yeah, Correa is probably not back next year. And, you know, I've already had the concerns that he won't be back. He's going to get that big deal, but then maybe there is that, that extra, motivation from these guys knowing that hey look this last year Correa is here so we need to capitalize on it and that that could be good moving the playoffs but yeah I think if you're if your best player is out there you know really saying hey we need to sign this guy that could influence the decision of, of management and I mean not not influence them to make a bad decision but kind of uh kind of help them you know hopefully go that way I think ultimately what it is is you know Correa wants that 10 maybe 12 year deal and the Astros just haven't done that they've done a, a five six year deal and I was listening to the radio and some of the guys are talking about the Astros offered Correa 40 million over five years or 40 million a year over five years. So like a five year, $200 million contract Would would the money be enough for him to do it? Cause it seems like their hesitancy is really on the long term. And I know Correa is focused on the long term, but if they up that, that annual rate to 40 million a year over five or six years, is that something that Correa would want to bite on? And, and I don't know. I mean, that's something that they, they could probably maximize a little bit. Jim Crane recently talked about, you know, the, the luxury tax. And he pretty much said that there is no, that they have no issues going over the luxury tax and paying it. And I think as long as we continue to win, he'll probably keep that philosophy. So the Astros could probably have the money to do it. We're just going to see if they can, I guess, get on the same page with Correa in terms of years versus how much they want to pay per year and, and kind of go from there. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, um, I, w- I was uh, listening to sports radio it was midday and they had, uh, I can't remember who it was. They had uh, Brian McTaggart on. And they just straight up asked him, like, hey, you know, the All-Star break's coming up. Could this be a time where, you know, maybe they talk to Carlos Correa about a contract extension or, or, or whatever? Mm-hmm. You know, McTaggart, he, he was, it's almost like he was kind of taken back by the question. But he answered, he goes, well, yeah, I mean, the Astros did, never set a, uh, a deadline for Carlos. Carlos set that for the Astros. Right. So, yeah, I'm sure James Click will talk to them about it. But I don't know that Carlos is going to want to do anything now before free agency. So, right. But he said that absolutely. I'm sure they will talk about it. So, you know. If the fact that they're going to continue to talk about it, even though Carlos says he wants a long-term deal, but the Astros say they don't want to do a long-term deal, if they're still talking about it, that makes me kind of think, and maybe this is just hopeless optimism, but it makes me think that there could be some common ground there where one side budges a little, and then maybe the other side would budge too. But I mean, it's no secret that Carlos wants to be here. He he openly says it. And as we've said multiple times, you don't really see that often from Houston athletes. Mm -hmm. We just let, we just dealt with James Harden trying to move or he he did force his way out, but you never really see a a star athlete say, no, I want to be in Houston. But whenever, what it comes down to is um, where he signs. If he goes somewhere else, it's going to look at the, the, we have to look at that contract and just determine whether or not we think that the Astros should have done that. And at this point, man, I know earlier in the um, in the year we both talked about well you don't want to give them this amount of money or this amount of years but I think we both kind of changed our tune to the point of we just need to sign them 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's playing like an MVP-level player right now, both offensively, defensively. He's obviously a really good leader. We've seen that, you know, year after year. We've seen him come up in clutch moments. So yep. I understand the hesitancy to, to want to give him a 12-year, a $340 million deal. But, yeah, I mean, if the Astros can find a way to to, to make it work and, and keep him here, that would be awesome. And you talked about the – you know, them talking about it over the All-Star break. Yeah, I don't think if or, uh, Click went to uh, Carlos Correa, Correa now and said, hey – Here's a $12 million, $350 million deal. I don't think Cray would say, hey, sorry, you know, I, I set my deadline. I'm not going to go ahead and sign a deal right now in the right. last break. Like if we go to him with the deal he wants right now, he I, I'm pretty sure he would sign it. So, man, we'll see. It's if, if we don't sign him, you know, until in the, this offseason comes around, it's going to be a very interesting offseason to see what happens. We went through this with Springer, but we all kind of knew we probably aren't going to be able to keep Springer and he's going to want a lot of money. He's a little older, but you know, we weren't dealing with a 26-year-old shortstop who is you know, playing at an MVP level. So it's going to be interesting right. this, season, this off season to see what happens. I think the whole thing with Springer is a lot of us thought, and we ne- we had no basis for it. We just figured that this was the case, but we all thought that, well, we're not going to be able to sign Springer because we're going to have to pay up uh, to keep Carlos. Right. And yep. now we're probably looking at not even keeping him. And that's where, look, we're, we're not talking about fans that get attached to players. That, that's not what we're saying here. When mm-hmm. you look at Carlos Correa, he is at the age, he plays the position, he puts up the numbers offensively and defensively that you want to give a, a player a long-term deal for. If the Astros don't give Carlos Correa the long-term deal, you're never going to see the Astros sign a top player to a long-term deal ever yeah. under this regime because sure. Carlos fits exactly what they are. He's still in his 20s. He put, Dude, how many times has he thrown out a guy at first base from the beginning part of the left field grass just oh, this yeah. year alone? No oh, yeah. one can. He's the best shortstop. In my opinion, he's the best defensive player on the left side of the infield, period, in all of baseball. He has a great arm. He, he's just – it's not just the bat. I understand his injuries, but a lot of those injuries were very, very flukish injuries. When he mm-hmm. broke his leg four or five years ago, that was a fluke injury. Could have happened to anybody. Right. This is not a situation like Tracy McGrady where he gets hurt every single year and it's always something different. You yeah. remember? And, I mean, I love Tracy, but, you know, yep. it's just – he was just one of those guys that had all the talent in the world and could never stay healthy. That's not Carlos Correa. Yeah. He, he is staying healthy. He's putting up the numbers. He's the guy that you got to keep. Yeah. And that's going to be, that's going to be the topic for the entire offseason, pretty much. Unless the, of course, the Astros, you know, two weeks into the offseason sign, you know, a Trevor story or something like that to, to take that spot, then it would, it would clear up. But on the topic yeah. of a number one overall pick and, and keeping him long term, we do have the MLB draft coming up. First round is today, rounds two through 10 tomorrow. And then I believe on Tuesday, it's rounds 11 through 20. It's a 20 round draft this year, not 40 rounds like we've seen in the past, but expanded from the five that it was last year. So we've talked about it a little bit. There's not anyone particular that I, I, I hope the Astros draft at 87. I've looked at some prospects and ultimately right. with the, the MLB draft, it's really hard to project out who's going to take what because the, the signing bonus and all that plays into it so much. You know, a team might take somebody that would maybe be rated a fourth round prospect maybe in the second because they're trying to pay him less so they can use that extra money to sign somebody else. So it's really hard to project who we're, who we're looking at. Ultimately, the Astros are going to have picks tomorrow and Tuesday and it's just another opportunity for them to, to add an influx of talent into the system. And we saw what they did last year, the, the the limited rounds that there were. And we saw what they've done in the past in terms of getting guys that uh, – we talked about J.P. France earlier. He's a 14th-round pick. And so it, I'm really excited for the draft time. I just – I love seeing the, the new influx of talent. And then now without Tri-City, the Astros are going to have to either assign guys down to the Florida Complex League, uh, I believe is what it's called now, the old GCL. Or they're going to have to yeah. put them right in Fayetteville, which we talked about is kind of hurting for some talent. So 
we're going to get to see what these guys, the uh, the draftees, can do pretty much right away. Yeah, and you know, you're right. Whenever you talk about the signing bonus just a second ago, it, it's not like the NFL where, I, you know, in the NFL, they, they claim every team claims that they have a big board and they just take best player available every time. You know that that's not the case in baseball because right. it's all about the, the, the draft pool, the amount of money each team has. There were, there's already been rumors and there have been for weeks now that Jack Leiter, you know, Al Leiter's son who plays at mm-hmm. Vanderbilt, has already basically told Pittsburgh, Texas, and Detroit, they pick one, two, and three, not to draft him because he will only accept a contract from the Boston Red Sox who are picking it fourth. Mm. That's the biggest um, you know, rumor that's been going on for a while now, and no one's really been able to squash it. So if you, if you go back a couple of months, Leiter was thought to be the number one overall pick uh, going to Pittsburgh. Yeah. But now all of a sudden, he's basically priced himself only to Boston. So whether or not you agree with that, I, I don't agree with things like that happening. But that's how you can kind of tell, and that's kind of leading to your point where, you know, we can look at players, but whenever you pick 87th overall for the first time, it's, it's, it's a crapshoot. We have no idea who's going to be there for us. Yep. And just based on kind of what we saw last year, I, I, you know, I have some faith in the Astros scouting department. I feel like we've, we've drafted well, and we talked about without having those first and second round picks and it's going to in the, the top picks, it's going to be important for them to, to draft good players and add talent. And I think we've seen that we've seen a lot of guys that, I think Jake Myers, we talked about him. I think he was like a 11th round pick or something like that. So we'll see what happens with the draft. It's going to be interesting. The Astros are just going to, they're going to get another, you know, 18, 19 prospects to add to the system. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's going to be a fun time, especially once it's over that we can look back and see where these guys were ranked, uh, how highly they were ranked and why they possibly fell. If it was just because of a, um, you know, maybe a, um, uh, signing bonus issue or just right. teams just didn't have enough money. And, you know, well, it'll, it'll be interesting to find out exactly who we got and uh, see who we're adding to our minor league system. Sure. 87th overall is no slouch. I mean, like, yeah. there's still guys that, that come out of nowhere and, and, and come from the second, third, fourth rounds and become oh, all-stars. Yeah. And we thought we were done recording today, but we hopped back on to talk about the amazing Astros win that they just capped off as we're going into the all-star break. Altuve, phenomenal, three-run, walk-off home run. The Astros strip his jersey off. Uh, it just, man, just a, a phenomenal thing to see right before the all-star break home run number 20 for him. Awesome freaking win for the Astros. Dude, it was so amazing. It was, it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Um, uh, what's his name from Barstool? One of those Yankee homers. Mm-hmm. He has a blue check mark. Can't think of his name off the top. Eric, some Eric Stubbs or something like that mm-hmm. said it's the worst regular season loss he's ever seen in Yankees history. <laughs> I loved hearing that. I just love that we continue to beat up on the Yankees. I don't give a crap that they won the season series. Mm-hmm. The two wins that we had on them are the two most impressive wins of the entire series, including their wins and our wins. Man, this was just amazing. Let's not also let's also not forget Martin Maldonado earlier in the game hitting that solo yep. bomb and then just coming up and, and basically shoving it right back to them. Like, don't talk trash about my boy, you know? Exactly. Doing the whole jersey thing. I love it. I'm pumped. It, it dude, I, man, I don't, I, I don't know how much better it could have gotten. Yeah, you know, it, it started rocky. Framber Valdez got the start, walked six guys, gave up three runs. Scrub and Smith had a scoreless inning, and then Abreu gave up a run. Blake Taylor gave up the three-run homer to to, uh, to Gary Sanchez as they went up 7-2, to two, and then things just it, it, phenomenal bottom of the ninth. Gurriel starts out with a single. Uh, Tucker gets a double. McCormick gets a double, drives in two. Toro gets a double, drives in one. And then Castro gets a single, and then after after Maldonado's line out at short, two on, down two with Altuve up, and what does he do, man? He puts it in the Crawford boxes and just, man, I 
it's just it's like one of the, the dream things you dream about, right? Like it would have been cool if, if anybody would have hit the walk-off, but for it to be Jose Altuve in that situation to hit the walk-off and and especially after what happened the last two, you know, two games, what Aaron Judge did with the the jersey thing and then Maldonado kind of pulling his jersey down. And you know, he said after the game that he was a little hot, so he was just trying to get some air in there. And then Altuve hits the home run and they strip his jersey off. Just just freaking awesome, man. Oh, dude, I loved it. And, and here, here's one thing. I, I want to ask you a question, Jimmy. So we've seen over the last three or four years, however long it's been, you know, everyone inherently just hates the Yankees. You know, it's, just, it's just in all of us. It's not just Red Sox fans. No one likes the Yankees unless you're a Yankee fan from New York, right? Yep. So I, I've been seeing a lot of our Twitter friends and even people like in our in my like normal life say, you know, I hate the Yankees, but Aaron Judge is such a likable dude. I want that to end now. He <laughs> trash-talked our team leader. He did that whole crap yesterday with the jersey thing. I think it's time for us to just kind of realize that he's just a little bitch, just like most of the Yankees are. I mean, I'm getting sick of this crap with him. He's, you know, I mean, they, they won't let something go that's been four years, man. But this was just an amazing win, and I love seeing everyone. If you notice, whenever if you go back and look at the highlights, and for those of you listening, if you go back and look at the highlights, when Altuve is about to touch home, Maldonado is signaling him to rip yep. off his jersey. So it, it's just a, I, I love that Maldonado was just front and center today with everything. Loved it. Yeah, yeah, really support his guy, supporting Altuve. And then also, I don't know if you saw it or not, but they announced after the game Altuve's dad's in the hospital, yeah. so he was unavailable for comment. He was going straight to the hospital. So just to, to know that, like, Altuve's playing with that on his mind as well, and he comes up in the biggest spot. I mean, realistically, this game didn't have the season implications that maybe a game against, like, Oakland would have because of the division, but it's a big spot. You know, it's the last game before the All-Star break to go out with a win like this right before the all-star break and it be Altuve with everything else he's got going on and just phenomenal comeback, man. It's just a, a great way, a great yeah. send off for the first half of the season. Now the guys can go get some rest, spend some time at home with their families and come back strong for the second half. Yeah. I, I really liked, um, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a low key move, but the fact that dusty pinch hit Castro, mm-hmm. Bell Garcia there in the night, that was just, that's Very key, big. man. Cause yep. I mean, it's, it's not, I don't think I'm going off of the ledge here by saying that Robel Garcia would not have gotten on base. Uh, so <laughs> the, the fact that he pinch hit Castro, great idea. It kept the uh, the inning going, and we all saw what happened. Just amazing, man. It was it was a, it was a really fun game. Uh, just loved that it happened. Yep. Loved it. Yep. Last little shout out I'll give Ralph, Ralph Garza came in and he cleaned up the eighth inning. Ended up having a, a scoreless ninth, which is obviously big to keep the score there. But yeah, to, for the Astros to show that kind of fight down five runs and you know the all-star break's coming up you're getting four days off it it would have been easy to pack it in you know and just all uh, right whatever we lost this game we still got we still lead the division and you know come on we'll, we'll, we'll get the second half started in a little bit for but for them just to to come out and fight like that and just hit after hit and then just set it up for Altuve man just just a great team win and something that hopefully they can build on build, uh, build on that momentum in the second half of the season oh yeah absolutely I mean uh, we got a three and a half game lead uh, over Oakland right now, I believe they won today. We we come back out of the All Star break. Lance is going on Friday against Chicago. It's it's going to be a great second half of the season. Like we talked about earlier in the podcast, mm-hmm. we have a pretty decent schedule uh, for the rest of the year. Um, it, it took us forever to catch up with Oakland because they had such an easy schedule at the beginning of the season. So right. now it's our turn. We just need to flip that switch of. Uh, you know, losing to the crap teams and beating up all the good ones, you know? <laughs> yep, yep. And like we talked about it, they run off another, you know, 10, 15 wins in a row and then really put that huge distance, you know, in the division. So that is going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow at Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video podcast, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. 
As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast covering your Astros and the minor league system.